Kaylee, we've had a slew of back-to-back period pieces here in the last few weeks. I know. I mean, it really started with Colette with Keira Knightley, and then we had Netflix's Outlaw King, and then we have recently jumped into two powerhouse female-led films, all dueling women, essentially, if you want to call it that, uh, Mary Queen of Scots and The Favourite. And, you know, minus Colette, they were pretty brutal. So today, we're focusing on Mary, Queen of Scots, a queen and her fight to the throne. It's another Scottish fest, so pour yourself a dram. I'm Kaylee, and she's Tuesday, and this is Whiskey and Popcorn. way to explain this is Mary Stuart, Queen of France, who's played by Saoirse Ronan, is attempting to overthrow her cousin, Elizabeth I, Queen of England, played by Margot Robbie. Now, they technically both have rights to said throne, and a lot of it really comes down to who can produce an heir. Mary Stuart, recently widowed, leaves France and comes back home to Scotland to claim her throne. At that time, Scotland and England are both under the rule of Elizabeth I. Both queens are distrustful of each other, bordering on almost fearful, and they're operating in a world that is ruled by men. And while they have the highest status in their countries, they each walk this really fine line of control, power, and leadership. They become enemies in both power and love. And when Mary actually bears a child, Elizabeth becomes more territorial, which ultimately leads to Mary's imprisonment and eventual execution. And to be honest, guys, that's basically just skimming the surface of the true story of this rivalry. So let's start off with a clip from the trailer. England does not look so different from Scotland. Aye, they are sisters. Queen Elizabeth. Your cousin Mary has returned to take up her throne in Scotland. The Queen! My dear cousin Elizabeth, I hope we might meet in person, that I might embrace you. But ruling side by side, we must do so in harmony, not through a treaty drafted by men lesser than ourselves. My dear cousin, let our nations cherish each other as we would. Two kingdoms united. How did the world come to this? Wise men servicing the whims of women. Now, as with most historically-based films, liberties are taken with the facts. History rarely fits into a nice two-hour segment, and with this film, they're covering a huge chunk of both Mary and Elizabeth's lives. We're talking, like, a huge chunk. Going into this movie, I knew that a lot of liberties were going to be taken. The film centers on this unhistoric meeting that never actually happened between the two queens. But I was surprised and actually a bit put off by how much historical liberty the filmmakers took. And let's really start with that meeting between Mary and Elizabeth. Historians agree that this never, ever happened. And despite being cousins, there was no face-to-face contact. Which is, you know, pretty common for that time anyway. Travel was dangerous. You could get sick, whatever. And I mean, you know, they're both in sort of precarious positions, you know, rulers meeting rulers, like, 
those could be dicey. You never yeah. know. And remember this p- time period as well. Even though England ruled Scotland, it was like an uneasy uh, kingship over them. It was they didn't want it. Essentially, the Scots didn't want them. Yeah, the two would never meet and you know play poker because then you have two ruling people in one room, and an overthrow could happen very easily. And, I mean, we only need to look back at Outlaw King to just see all the back and forth between the two kingdoms. So I looked it up uh, to get some little more background on what was going on this time period. And historian Dr. Estelle Perranc, uh, she's French, um, and she's a Queen Elizabeth I expert, she told BBC's Good Morning Scotland that we have actual proof that Elizabeth and Mary never met. Uh, she says there are letters from both queens that show Mary's frustration with Elizabeth and Elizabeth's quibbling about what to do with Mary. And the movie makes it seem as if the two queens might have an opportunity to actually be friends, or at least not bitter rivals. But this is also not true. The friendship never existed. They actually despised each other from the get-go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let's look back on that huge chunk of time. This is my first issue. The dang thing could have been an entire 10-part series that could have been picked up by Hulu or Netflix or anyone, HBO even, and it felt like there was just way too much stuff crammed in two hours, and it was still two hours plus. This movie moved so fast. We really had no time to acclimate ourselves to when or where we were in time before we moved on again. And another thing that really bothered me is that there weren't any dates thrown up. They would say where we were, maybe this castle or that manor, but like dates, I had no idea how much time was passing between events that we saw. And it was really confusing. And, you know, bear in mind, Mary was imprisoned by Elizabeth for 18 years before she was beheaded. And that bit of time was condensed into like three minutes in the film. So you can only imagine how much condensing was occurring throughout the entire film. And I definitely got lost a few times. So I agree. Give me some date signatures or some some additional background. Yeah. And what did you think, Tuesday, about the balance between Mary's screen time and Elizabeth, kind of taking away from the historical aspect and actually looking at how the story was told? Well, I definitely say it would be biased. Mary got exceptional screen time. But if I remember correctly, this movie was actually based off of a book about her. So it was almost like Elizabeth was kind of thrown into there with snippets, but it was never really supposed to be about her. Yeah, and I think that's one of the misleading things about the whole marketing campaign for this movie. I went in thinking that it was going to be a little bit more equal, but told from Mary's perspective. As did I. And we hardly saw any of Margot Robbie being Queen Elizabeth. And while I will say she did a great job with what she had to work with, I did not like her portrayal of Elizabeth. It all goes down to the director, Josie Rourke's choice on how to portray Elizabeth I. When I think of Elizabeth I, I think of Kate Blanchett in her <laughs> Elizabeth movies, where she is just on fire. She can be powerful, yet still show weakness. Margot Robbie's Elizabeth was weak for almost the entire film. This sort of like weepy wallflower who was just like really into her emotions. And I'm like, 
that is not how Elizabeth comes across historically or in any other representation. I was just like mad about it. I was kind of intrigued because I think that so much has been covered about Elizabeth I that it was almost interesting that she was more of an outlier in the film because Mary has absolutely not had as much airtime in history as she has, at least in film and TV. Now, I did like the powerhouse of both women. I feel like both of them were powerful and, at least in public, very afraid to show vulnerability, which is smart because it could be their life. But it's almost as if both of them showed their power in different ways. Yeah, this is... uh, Mary came across as very... She knew what she wanted. She knew where she was going. And not in an off-putting way, but she, like, had God on her side was the mentality. Whereas with Elizabeth, she didn't, like, have that religious righteousness to her. She was still more, again, kind of, like, unsure of herself being surrounded by all these men. You see the balance where the religious side was more important on the Mary Queen of Scots story versus the Elizabeth side. Historically speaking, I'm sure, well, the religion was a huge point in this <laughs> in this point of time. This was a huge point of contention in this period. But I think that lent Sersha's performance just some sort of like gravitas and confidence. Yeah, heaven forbid it would be called the modern day bitch of the office. <laughs> and yet Sersha's performance didn't make me angry in of itself. Again, no. I think she did a really good job with the what she was given. And I liked her performance. I liked how she owned the space. Oh, yeah. I mean, if she was on screen, everything else was off to the side. She she was definitely the powerful being in almost all of her scenes. And our favorite topic, what did you think about the outfits? Mm, I have a lot of thoughts on them. Well, sticking with Elizabeth, actually, I want to say that the makeup on her was really just authentic because it looked like that nasty, chalky whiteness, particularly as we progress through the film. The costuming for her, the wardrobing was really good. And like they do show like how she got, I think it was the pox, essentially. Uh And the makeuping on that was so good. It was so gross. Mm -hmm. It was so well done. And then I loved the ruffle collars. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is the era of ruffles and ruffs. And these were just beautifully done, intricate lace work. I mean, ruffs are not easy to make. And these looked outstanding. No, they were on point. And it is not easy as an actress to look ugly. And Margot Robbie really had to. I mean, they they dug in deep and gave her close-ups, but you I mean, you could tell the makeup was spot on. It's not today's Mac for <laughs> sure, but we have to talk about it, the earring. Oh gosh. I know, the only thing that I think bothered both of us the entire film. I do not understand why they gave Mary Queen of Scots this pirate earring. It's this weird thing. It's, I believe it, whatever, it's her right ear, but it looks like a modern day, like, coil going through the outer edge of her ear. So it's not even her earlobe. It's, like, up on the side, this metal coil. And I'm like, what? What is this? 
are they trying to give her like this pirate queen look, this warrior queen look, which okay, but look at any of her portraits. She doesn't look like that. How did we go from like a very authentic looking Elizabeth to like this outlandish Mary? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm no historian, but that has to not be a time appropriate piece. So I I don't know. We're taking we're putting it out to the universe, guys. Please look at photos or trailers and tell us what were they thinking. That was so bad. As far as the other costumings, I will say that the rest felt pretty historically accurate. I mean, there was as with many things in this film, some liberties taken, but it felt true to the time period. And I did love like the colors and the textures, but man, the roughs, the roughs are what sold it for me. <laughs> you do love that period. Mm, if I could get away wearing a rough every day, I would totally do it. So overall, despite the gross historical inaccuracies, I would say this film was pretty standard. I wasn't able to feel fully engaged with it. I didn't get that emotional connection that I was looking for. I mean, I love Mary Queen of Scots as a historical figure and as a character. And like I said, Saoirse Ronan did fantastic with what she had to work with. And Margot, too, even though I just didn't like the directing on this film. But as someone who loves historical movies, honestly, I was disappointed. But not as much as I was with Outlaw King. So on the whole, I give this about a C rating. Couldn't agree more. It gets an okay head nod from me. And if you're really into that world of history, I'd love to know what your opinion is on it. I would assume that you'd like it, but it's not my usual film du jour, let's say. <laughs> well, on that note, are you subscribed to us? If not, off with your head. Just kidding. Just kidding. But we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. All the options are there. Give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We definitely have a lot more stuff posted on there besides reviews. And don't forget to visit our website. www.whiskeyandpopcorn.org Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. 